Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Jack Luke and today I'm joined by two veteran mountain bike racers who are going to talk us through all the kind of various formats of mountain bike racing that are out there, why they're good, who they're for, and what you'll need to get started. In front of me today is Rob Weaver, former mountain bike downhill World Cup racer. Is that correct, Weaver? Well, yeah, sort of. I went to a few. I, ta- <laughs> I wouldn't say I really raced them. A taker-parter. <laughs> and then of a similar background, we have young Alex Evans joining us remotely from beautiful Tweed Valley, who is a very experienced downhill racer himself, former Grom of the European circuit, and also has dabbled in a bit of enduro racing. How are you today, Alex Evans? Uh, yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, very Have good. Have I both slightly um, oversold your racing Palmares, perhaps? <laughs> I think you've undersold Al. Okay. <laughs> and you've oversold me. I, I, but I do like being described as a veteran. I'm into that. Well, I'd I'll definitely that. say that's true these days. Well, I mean, technically, I am a veteran now. If I was going to go and do a race... Really? Yeah, I would be a veteran. Yeah. Despite your youthful looks on paper. I mean, I dress like a 14-year-old. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you dress just like a downhill racer is what one could say. Uh, anyway, today we're going to be going through cross-country mountain bike racing, what it is, how to take part and, part and so on. We're going to downhill racing, enduro racing, and of course, don't forget, good old four-cross. Now, there's plenty we've of other... forgotten about four-cross. I certainly uh, have. <laughs> there's plenty <laughs> of other sort of other racing categories out there, but we're going to focus on the sort of four biggest ones out there to, to start off and their various sort of uh, sub-genres. But if you would like us to cover any other racing categories, do leave us a comment on bikerader.com. There will be an article associated with this piece and we'll do our very best in a future edition to talk a little bit more. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about cross-country mountain bike racing. And with that, we'll go straight in. Weaves, give us a brief overview of what the format of a cross-country mountain bike race typically looks like. Okay, so typically it's a, it's a mass participation, mass start event. So you're lined up on a grid with every other racer within your category. And when, uh, I don't know, a gun is fired or the klaxon goes, mm-hmm. you set off out and around. It's normally, well, the, the courses have generally got a little bit shorter. So you have more laps. So it's a bit more exciting. So it might be between one and a half to three kilometers, say, and you're going to race for, I would say, between one to two hours mm-hmm. um, normally. Maybe if you're a bit younger, it might be shorter, a bit less. Um, the tracks have got relatively technical now. So you're going to encounter everything from roots, rocks, drops, jumps, um, berms, you know, high speed sections. But there's also going to be. Uh, a number of nasty, awkward climbs mm. thrown in there, some single track, um, but also, you know, some wider, broader tracks to make the racing, uh, well, I guess make the overtakes possible. Mm. Yes. Yes, it's typically on like, actually, you know, the, the technical stuff is on single tracks. So sort of placing and pacing in the, uh, particularly in the start, but also throughout the race on those areas where you can overtake is kind of key, key to being competitive. Exactly. Yes. Um, and if anyone's ever watched uh, the World Cup cross-country event, either um, you know on Red Bull or caught up with any of the bits on YouTube, um, they'll see that it is really exciting. It is proper bar-to-bar racing, and um, there's generally a lot of crashes. About everyone crash. <laughs> Which is why we all watch the racing, of oh, course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's um, 
It's a real test. Uh, I think now more so than ever in terms of skill, in terms of fitness, um, tactics, mm-hmm. another big one to play. Um, you know, I guess that's, we're talking potentially sort of top level stuff. Yeah, of course. But, you know, lower down, it's still, as you mentioned, the pacing already, it's a good way, you know, being able to race, you need to understand how you're going to perform over that sort of distance. So understanding how your body's going to work, I guess, when it's pushed to its limit for that long. Mm-hmm. And Alex, have you ever taken part in a cross-country racing yourself? <laughs> yes, I've actually done a, done one single cross-country race in my entire uh, mountain bike, <laughs> well, I wouldn't say career. I think career is an in inverted commas. Uh, and uh, what, Misadventure what, 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 is more of an accurate description. <laughs> and what made that a good day out for you? Um, actually, it was really good fun. It was really good fun because you got to ride around with people that you knew, uh, people that you hated, you know, your adversaries, <laughs> the, the ones that you Nemesis. wanted to pummel into the floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great fun. You know, it's it's basically like going mountain biking, but mm. you're timed. Um, you're timed and you're uh, absolutely at the red line on every climb. And I think, you're, it's, I think it's probably the closest you can get on a bike is climbing in a cross-country race with someone chasing you down to dying. That, I think that's what dying must feel <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 I would say, yeah. you know, I, I've of all the kind of disciplines, I've done more cross-country racing than anything else. A bit more kind of marathon stuff, which we'll discuss in a moment. But for me, you know, I, I'm no great athlete on a bike, but I'm okay at descending. You know, I'm a fairly confident mm-hmm. uh, mountain biker. And I think for me with cross-country racing, there's space for both of those kind of skill sets there where... I will never, ever be enormously competitive on the climbs, but I can somewhat make up for that with uh, the descents. And, you know, I had some really fun and genuinely quite competitive feeling within my category uh, sort of days out in cross-country mountain biking. And unlike other uh, sort of just end-to-end events, we'll call it, there is opportunity to make up time and laps. And I think that's what makes it such good fun. And, and Weaves, who would you say cross-country mountain biking is for? I think... Uh... Generally, anyone that's as happy riding uphill as they are downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, uh, I mean, I started out when I was really young, mm-hmm. when I was 10 or 11, I think, started racing. About a million years ago. <laughs> but I haven't oh, grown burn, since. Burn, Ron, burn. <laughs> I haven't grown since. Which, <laughs> but it meant when I started out physically, yeah. some of the guys were already shaving, you know, in the junior category, shaving and <laughs> had full-time jobs, I think. So I was at a clear disadvantage, but I was happy just sort of pottering around. Mm. And it was, you know, as you said, it's one of those things where even if you can't hold your own on the climb, mm. it's super fun trying to catch that time back mm. up on the descents. So I think yeah, it, it's it's for pretty much everyone. And there's categories, you know, that will cater for all age groups uh, and all the way through, obviously, if you want to take it super seriously, it's uh, the only uh, mountain bike Olympic yes. discipline. Yes, if there's any budding Olympic uh, yes. <laughs> racers on our listeners, uh, then this is the one for you. Yeah, yes. It's interesting it. as well because it, it's like it's one of those, because it's an Olympic sport, um, it kind of leaves with it like a, a, a legacy, I guess. So mm. uh, in the UK specifically, there's Hadley Park uh, Olympic cross-country track which was built for the 2012 Olympics in London specifically. And that place still exists and you can still go ride it. And then all of the World Cups and World Championships, usually the the, the tracks are on purpose-built tracks. You know, they are mm. made made for the event. And what you'll find is quite regularly, these tracks will still exist outside of the event and people can go there and try it. So even maybe you're not that into racing or you're not sure whether you want to race, you can definitely go out and try those tracks in your respective country if you're lucky enough to be close to them. Um, and, and give it a go and get a taste for it, basically. 
and and rightly or wrongly um the cycling governing bodies would generally throw more money at it because it's yeah. an olympic sport yeah. so there's the depth of the programs they offer you know i think the british cycling for example if if you're showing uh, potential will bring you in and help develop you as a racer as a rider um and pay you to do that yeah so you don't necessarily need to have an outside sponsor in order to to make it a career you can you can do it off the back of that support i don't know how much yeah you would get out of it but it's quite different to downhill or forecross or you know any of the other disciplines because of that olympic status mm -hmm. And just before we go into the tech side of things, I think it's worth mentioning that we've largely described sort of short track cross country or Olympic yeah. cross country as it's more broadly known. But there's plenty of other disciplines in there. Cross country marathon is the other kind of big one that has its own world champs. And that's typically much longer. I think it's about 100k-ish is usually how long they go yeah. for. Typically less technical courses um, and more like a road race, almost like a gravel crit quite often with some spicy uh, single track in there, but quite a different discipline overall. And then in addition, there's lots of other fun formats. I've done quite a lot of pairs racing. That's really good fun um, where you kind of do alternate laps or however you see fit over a longer day out. Lots and lots of fun stuff, but typically cross country in sort of ethos, we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah and we can't forget things like the 12 and 24 hour yes of course disciplines why where... on earth you would ever choose to do something like that is beyond me i tried to 24 <laughs> and it was a horrible horrible day out <laughs> tom arvin loves them especially <laughs> in the middle of winter at the strathputter yes Strath <sighs> good <Puther>. lord yeah <laughs> yeah yeah everyone loves that event uh, also yeah. just before whilst we're talking about all these different events uh 2023 yeah, the World Champs, the Olympic World Championships. Yes. Olympic World Championships, my God, what <laughs> level of competition would that be? <laughs> the UCI World Championships, my apologies. Uh, the Cross Country and the Cross Country Marathon is being held at Glentress in, in the Tweed Valley. Which is um, about 10 minutes from your house, isn't it? So you'll it be is, racing yeah. now. Yeah, Can I'll, you yeah, I'll free be there today? at the uh, yeah. Olympic World Championship gold medalist <laughs> uh, take his Cross Country book. Marathon. Sign um, on on the yeah. day. He's he, he's going to be the one popping the champagne at the end, or kind of like the sort of guest celebrity. Oh, handing out the prizes. Exactly, oh, right, biggest right, name in the Tweed Valley, Alex Evans. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> uh, you know, let, let's say you really want to, really want to give cross country racing a proper whack. What is the kind of ideal cross country bike? What what are we looking for uh, to get started with racing? Well, I think I think this is what's really good about cross country is it's it. It is one of the more accessible mm -hmm. um, sports or, or sort of genres within mountain biking, simply because you could get away with a fully rigid bike and race on these mm -hmm. tracks. They, they are, you know, you will take a bit of a battering, but even if you've got a hardtail with a short travel suspension fork on, you're going to be totally fine. You'll be able to race. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the top men and women will race generally nowadays on full suspension bikes short travel full suspension bikes um but yeah any, anything anything that has enough or wide enough gear range that's going to allow you to climb and descend comfortably um and maybe uh, nowadays include a dropper seat post potentially just to make those technical sections that bit easier it definitely yeah. sort of testament to how much spicier the riding's got these years where Cross-country bikes are much, much more capable, whereas previously they were kind of more inspired by road bike geometry. I mean, that's a bit of an over-generalisation, but it tended to be more sort of, yeah, like road bikes off-road back in the day. <laughs> uh, Alex, any closing thoughts on cross-country? Do you think you have any on the horizon? And if you were going to go out and do a cross-country mountain bike race, 
Where would you find information about them? Oh, well, uh, you could go on British Cycling's website and um, would mm-hmm. be a good place if you're based in the UK. If not, your respective cycling body will have a calendar and it will list all of their events. Uh, similarly, Roots and Rain, which is uh, quite a popular results website mm. uh, run by a, a why well, he still races, actually, a, a chap who used to race back in the day. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a good, good kind of resource. Um, thoughts about cross country racing. Wow, blimey. Just just go there with a big smile. Just be happy. You know, that's oh, the, great that's vibes, the, Alex. Yes, absolutely. Might not yeah. leave with one. No, yeah. you might not, but you will go there with one. You know, the you might have blood trickling out your ears, but you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> breathing, breathing out of your eyeballs. Yes, yes. Actually, I'll just I'll give a little plug. Actually, uh, speaking of Glen Tress, I think the best cross country race I've ever done was the Glen Tress Seven. Did it three years? Did it for three years. It's an excellent pairs race or quads if you prefer. Uh, very very good day day out in the Tweed Valley. Anyway, uh, now we're going to downhill. Bit of a um, I don't know what to say. A passion of both of uh, Robin Weaver and Alex Evans, both former downhill racers. Although maybe it would tickle the odd one these days. But Alex, we'll go for you this time. Explain to us as kind of briefly as possible what downhill race is, what format it takes, and so on. Well, Jack, I don't know if I can do it briefly because I do like to ramble on, but I'll give it my best go. Um, <laughs> downhill is basically uh, an A to B race uh, that's gravity fueled. So the way to the top isn't timed. It will usually be assisted via a shuttle or a chairlift, a Land Rover, whatever bus. And the most important bit happens from the start line to the finish line. The start line's at the top of the hill, the finish line is at the bottom. The course is taped, um, so you have to go down one single course between the tape without exiting the tape, very important, uh, to the finish line. And it's timed and riders go uh, set off at set intervals um, and get to the bottom and the fastest rider to the bottom of the hill wins, basically. Um, Yes, essentially a downhill time trial. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 absolutely. That's probably how briefly I would describe it. (laughs) Like downhill skiing. Like downhill skiing, yes, just like downhill skiing. Loved it when you see skiing on like a Sunday on telly. Like Still on ski Sunday. On yeah, I love it. Absolutely love Still it. Still on, mate. Is it? Yeah. Well, not now. It's June. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in terms of the courses, uh, weaves, you know, downhill racing, probably the gnarliest of the disciplines out there. What what could one expect on a typical downhill course? Um. Well. I suppose it depends at the level you're competing mm-hmm. at, but generally you're always going to have roots, rocks, big jumps, lots of turns. Obviously, that's partly where it makes it really challenging mm-hmm. is to make time up in the turns. Um, there might be awkward features or, or sections of track where it really pays off if you're good at reading the terrain, understanding which line to pick and how to do it as fast as possible. Some people... Might jump a section, others might find a different way around it. And it's those sort of challenges that make it, um, I guess, make it so interesting. and Make mm-hmm. it as tactical almost as cross-country can be, but in a slightly different way. So so uh, kind of extending on that, like yeah, the, the tactics are um, really, really easy to see at tracks like the Fort William World Cup, for example, that's super long, uh, really physical in terms of how rough it is. So your muscles are getting beaten up. Then at the bottom of the track is a massive long pedally section. So the riders, and also there's a long pedally section at the top, and there's lots of different bits in between. <laughs> mm. Actually, Fort Williams is really difficult. Um, but basically, you kind of have to like have your tactics. Do you, you go off the start line as hard and as fast as you can, try and make up all your time, but then be absolutely knackered at the bottom? 
or do you conserve energy at the top to try and save some so that you can go harder at the bottom and there's you know there's like quite a lot of that in in downhill racing where do you expend your energy where do you save it um and equally there's like risky lines there's really risky jumps and rocks and all this sort of stuff do you take the harder line which is usually faster and risk either crashing your bike getting blown up or you're making a mistake or do you take the slightly easier line that's probably going to be slower but you don't take as much risk and you know you've you've got to you've got to be able to finish to finish right you know <laughs> if you don't finish the race then what was the point in starting but you can if you, you don't that win, risky what's line? the point yeah and can you take that risky line when you're absolutely exhausted having exactly. just been pummeled yeah. through mm. the rocks yeah something you sort of alluded to there alex and is worth sort of stressing is much like cross country or at certainly at the top end of the sport courses like fort william or liu gang there's sort of very very similar courses year to year in the downhill racing world and again that creates a sort of bit of hype and legacy around certain courses and while they might introduce new spicy features to to mess with people's heads and bikes um generally speaking they're they're much the same year to year yeah they don't yeah there's tracks like as you mentioned those two already but also mountain Anne, which has been on the calendar mm. for i think 21 years long, yeah, time. long time yes long long time so stuff like that doesn't change a great amount sometimes they might run it from a slightly different start point mm. but it's it's really interesting and cool to see how the different riders you know through the generations are approaching the same tracks absolutely and actually while well, have you both uh we'll start with you weaves What's the best best uh, course you ever raced on for downhill? Uh, Schladming in Austria. Yeah, why? What made it so rowdy and good? Um, it was the sort of riding I absolutely love. Really technical, relatively steep, mm. loads of roots, uh, no pedalling. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably put maybe two or three pedal strokes in at the start, hit a step down, and then that was it. See ya. Yep. Down the bottom. Yeah. Alex, same question. Uh, Schladming in Austria. <laughs> Boys cut from the same cloth, clearly. Certainly not Fort William. I, yeah. I, the only downhill <laughs> no. course I've ever ridden was, I was f- 14 on a Coyote F2 with Magura, Rond, Big Ego Forts, and a triple. And I rode all the way from the top to bottom in Fort William very, very slowly, and I was very, very pleased with myself. Well, you should so. be. I mean, that's a terrifying track. It yeah. was very scary. It wasn't particularly fast, but I did yeah. it. So that's yeah. what counts most. Um, now, well, I think if, if anything, it is probably harder back then than it is now. Do you, I, I just remember it being insane. Like my first World Cup there was back in two thousand and four, I think it was, and I was just mm-hmm. a, you know, a junior racer, just a, a little, you know, a little kid basically. And my God, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was um, just so hard. The, yes, very I mean, very scary day out. The brakes are so much better now. I remember, I think we had a deal with Hayes one year. And um, they were pretty much clamped on. By the time we got to the deer gate, on I think they could only give us one sixteen mil rotors. Oh wow, <laughs> it was so bad. We'll come back onto this sort of tech side of things in a moment, but we'd say you know you're very much you know something you're both very passionate about. But what is it that makes downhill racing so particularly good for you? Um, I think it's. Uh, it's that level of excitement that it creates and the tension because it's uh, normally it's the fastest person that goes off last. So you are sort of waiting there to mm. see if the next person will better them. In theory, the, you know, they've, they've already qualified or seeded, so they should be faster. But someone might have had a bad run uh, in the rain or it might have had a mechanical in the seeding or qualification and been quite far back. So 
they've put down a heater and the next person is really up against it to try and beat it. So I think it's it's the tension it creates. And when you see it up close and personal, just how good the top riders are, it mm. is that I think it's really easy to normalise when you just watch it on mm. on the TV. And then when you see it in person and the features they're riding and the speed that they're carrying over those, you do you do realise just how incredible and how skillful those um, boys and girls are. Yes. Alex? Yeah, I mean, t- totally agree. Like, it, being watching a, watching a, a, a race is, is, you know, a top-level race is absolutely amazing. But then even competing, you know, you, you say you're just doing a local race. I mean, you know, you're... You come down and you're like, oh my god, what's my time? You know, you, you've you know you've either had an amazing run or a terrible one, but you still want to know. And then you're with all your mates, and it just feels absolutely awesome because there's a real community there. Um, like the, the downhill community is is a proper nice, friendly, welcoming, lovely place. Um, you know, you could just turn up to a race and you could be pals with people, and it's amazing. You know, it's really cool. And, and if and if you get into more of it and you you end up start travelling around, you generally see the same faces week in week out and you do make lifelong friends from it yes i'd, I'd say if just from a kind of a punter's point of view and a spectator spectator's point of view i think downhill is one of the finest spectacles in cycling is truly you know extraordinary physical talent technical talent on on sort of the racing it's it's really hard to yeah like see on tv or video highlights just how mental these courses are <laughs> and how yeah. fast they're going um but the kind of the vibe of the spectators as well is always pretty entertaining, mm. um, particularly somewhere like Fort William. Where it's, it's it's a bit of an outdoors uh, an outdoors party filled with people with a fear of dehydration. It's um, and midges it, and midges. It's, <laughs> it's quite an exciting place to be, and I'd I'd highly recommend if you can watching a downhill race in your life. And you've sort of alluded to it there, but who is downhill racing for, Alex? Well, it's down for you. Uh, the the person who wants to who wants to really push their limits would be probably the best way of describing it, both physically mm-hmm. and mentally. Challenges to overcome, uh, you know, the whole way down. But I mean, you, you don't have to be crazy, crazy fit. I, back in the day, you know, downhill used to be the lazy man's mountain biking when we were all <laughs> walking around in baggy jeans with fire. Uh, helmets like you know fire painted on our helmets and flames um, flames that's the one that's what i was looking for yeah fire helmets (laughs) no extinguishers um you know walking our downhill bikes up to do a 30 second track um you know again and again and again ad nauseam um i mean yeah you need to be fit but um you also need to have some specialist equipment let's not kind of beat around the bush Mm -hmm. i mean if if you turned up to a a downhill race on a rigid i mean you'd get a massive amount of respect and some serious cheers but i don't suspect you'd be in contention for the win um you know suspension travels a must reasonably relaxed geometry also really important big brakes as rob alluded to earlier with the 160 mil rotors probably won't cut it <laughs> on most uh, most sort of long downhill tracks now um yeah, sorry, I've completely uh, gone off track, but, you know, down. No, no, that's amazing. fine. You led me very helpfully onto my next question, which was about bikes. And, you know, well, it's definitely true if you want to be competitive or if you want to ride some of the rowdier courses, I think a, a proper downhill bike is wise. Incidentally, we do have an excellent buyer's guide to downhill bikes on bikeradar.com written by our very own Alex Evans, and I recommend you check that out if you want to learn more. But if you're racing at a more sort of grassroots level, would you think it's fair to say you can maybe get away on a hardtail weaves? 
Yeah, some of the some of the much smaller regional events where you're not likely to encounter the you know the the more dangerous obstacles mm-hmm. that you'll see at the at the bigger World Cup races, for example. Um, a hardtail should suffice. Uh, it, as Al said, you might not win on it, but it should see you through. Back to what um, you were asking before, I would say. In its most simplest form, it's the downhill downhill racing is very much the best place where you're looking to push and improve your skills. So, yeah, you do need to be physically fit to do it, but it's a different sort of fitness to cross country. It's it's so skill based, I would say, so skill or you know, orientated so much towards the skill level that um most people who who are, you know, looking to re- enter should be able to get away on a hardtail but they're going to have a better time on a full suspension bike. Definitely. And then finally, in terms of kit, there is one sort of mandatory thing which you wouldn't expect in most other uh, types of racing, and that is, of course, a full-face helmet. Yep, yep. So there's a full-face helmet. Um, there's standards at which that needs to meet, but most big manufacturers will list everything that it, it does, and most races will tell you what standard mm. it needs to meet, so you can double-check all of that. Um, other things to make life easier... Disc brakes are a big thing. I know they're pretty much commonplace. Dominant. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. But um, if you've got a cheaper bike and you're looking to get out there, but you have the opportunity to upgrade, a good set of brakes and a good set of tyres will make life at a downhill race far, far more enjoyable. Absolutely. And then, of course, if you would like to be safe, knee pads, elbow pads and back padding, even a neck brace possibly, all a very good idea. Mm. Finally, if one wants to get into downhill racing, where would I find information for that, Alex Evans? I mean, it's going to be the same answer as last time, unfortunately, Jack. There's going to be a little imagination here. But, I mean, you know, if you want to get inspired by by mountain biking, you can head on to YouTube and, you know, there are so many awesome videos of people getting out there and, you know, give you ideas for the sorts of races that you might want to do and the locations that you might want to go to. Um, you know, it could be quite cool. Downhill in France, for example, would be an amazing search term on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd probably have your mind blown with the Leger World Cup or, you know, if races gone by in previous years and that might be maybe your inaugural race. I don't know. You might get invited to race the Leger World Cup. Who knows how good you are? <laughs> I certainly don't and certainly won't ever be invited to go ride that race. But um, yeah, definitely have, have a check on the Internet. Have a look on the Internet. But there's um, there's there's sort of it, well, if you are looking to really step it up uh, and you you are at a decent level it's worth looking at series like the IXS series mm-hmm. which happens in mainland Europe where it really genuinely is a stepping stone up to world cup level and then obviously there's um national level racing so i would say the majority of countries with a, a national cycling body will have some form of national development or national uh, race series as well um and then here in the UK we're lucky we've got people like Chris Roberts, who's really passionate about racing and he helps across enduro, four cross and downhill. And he puts on these grassroots level um, series. So it's relatively cheap to enter because there's no uplift involved. You just push your bike up to the top and it means more people can have a crack. It's a very good uh, scene that's kind of incur or rather developed lots of fun series over the years, some of which have come and gone, but there's a lot, lot more racing out there these days that you can do than 15, 20 years ago. So definitely. And I think it also helps that I mean I know we'll come on to this in a bit, but trail bikes or enduro bikes, whatever you want to call them, 
will handle pretty much everything that you're mm. going to get at a regional almost or maybe even a national level of downhill. So there's no reason why if you have the one bike, you couldn't dabble in both. Absolutely. And that brings us on to enduro racing, which sort of, we'll say, exploded onto the mountain bike racing scene, despite sort of existing in the periphery for quite some time, would we say 10, 15 years ago-ish, kind of really began to get pretty big. So Rob Weaver, what is an enduro race? Where did it come from? Give me the lowdown. So um, for starters, enduro racing, it's, um, it's multiple time stages with, it depends on the level you're riding at, but you'll have a liaison to get from one stage to the next. And at some of those races, you will have a time limit in which to complete that liaison. Um, those stages are mainly downhill, but they may have the odd climb thrown in there. Uh, and some, you know, some climbs will be pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of an amalgamation of downhill and cross country to a degree. So you need the legs, you need the lungs in order to ride mm-hmm. up to the top, up to the top of that stage. But you do need a lot of skill in order to descend as fast as possible because, it, as I said, it's a time stage. Um, so you, you can ride with your buddies while you're on those liaisons, but just like in downhill, it's you by yourself individually racing on that uh, particular stage at one at once. At and one time. generally speaking with enduro, it kind of, <clears throat> you know, there is an enduro world series, but, you know, at any kind of event, it's, you might have elements of a race which are included year to year, but generally speaking, it's sort of a course which is made up per year, isn't it? Yeah. So they, I think um, Al will probably know better than me because uh, we're just, we're on the Monday after the last Tweed Valley or the first round of the 2022 mm-hmm. EWS. Um, so he'll be able to tell you how many changes they made from the mm-hmm. previous year. But while they might go to the same location, generally they'll try to pick different tracks. Yep. Some might be the same, but it may be that they're running a slightly different order or you've just got sections of um, previously used trails. So there is an element of freshness to it. And unlike in downhill where you're just able to practice as much as you're allowed, you know, practice as much as you physically can. um, I think in Enduro World Series, they get one run. You you ride it, you get one sort of pass. Yeah, Uh, it's it's like a, a time limit you have on each stage, basically. And once you're up, you have to... You have to scoot have to on to the next stage during practice. I think there's a, a lot of the racing in France is all blind. Mm. You might be allowed to walk some of the early bits, um, but generally, you, yeah, you're riding blind, which is adds a whole other element to it. Being Absolutely. able to read the terrain and uh, and read it at speed, it's it's a pretty um, pretty particular skill. Mm-hmm. One thing that's worth mentioning as well is that. Uh, enduro of all the racing formats is the one that lends itself well to and has sort of popularized racing on e-bikes as well where in sort of downhill of course it wouldn't make much sense in cross country yes a little bit but maybe not so much in sort of purer races but in enduro racing there is a whole other e-enduro kind of side of things and that sounds like something would be right up your street alex evans well it, it would be if it wasn't so unbelievably savage it is <laughs> absolutely brutal um, just like we said, it was the um, j- just this weekend gone. It was the first round of the EWS here in Scotland, um, and we were chatting to enduro racers who would uh, e-bike racers who were doing the e-bike race, and they were basically saying like the liaisons were so tight that they weren't even bothering to take their goggles off on the climbs, mm. so that they could make it for their next descent. Um, and you know, we we watched some some big name pro riders on the power stage, and the power stage is an uphill stage. 
And it's not too long, you know, it's like 30 to 45 seconds, maybe a bit longer, I can't remember. But my God, they were making a dog's dinner of it. Um, <laughs> it looked absolutely savage. I mean, they were like breathing out of every part of their body that was able to inhale any form of oxygen. Um, and, you know, it, I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. I think, I can't remember exactly how many metres it was per lap. There were basically three um, three laps of a set course. And the first, and the, the first and the last lap were the same and the middle one was slightly different. Um, and it was something like 3,000 metres of climbing and over 3,000 metres of climbing um, in a single day of riding. Sounds and, horrible. Uh, yeah, and, and they were, you know, you use you have to use three batteries to be able to get around. Um, so it's expensive as well. <laughs> very expensive, yeah, because a, a battery is, you know, eight, nine hundred quid, if not a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's quite a tricky one to enter, I think, as just a general consumer. Um, yes. But Enduro, on the other hand, you know, um, acoustic, because we're not allowed to use that no, term. No, 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 that bikes, is on the banned bike radar word list. <laughs> um, you know, j- just normal bikes, um, it's much, much more accessible. Um, yes you, you know it's 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 basically the name of the racing discipline of the type of mountain biking that people have been doing for years um you know we used to say do you want to go out for a ride yes okay so we'd pedal to the top and then go as fast as we could on the way down um so you know it's it's a really really great format um, it's brilliant and uh weaves would you add, add anything else to it? what makes enduro racing so good for you for me especially, I think now, two kids and a busy job, it mm. means I get to spend a ton of time on my bike. Yeah. You get to ride loads. Not that I've done loads. I've done a few. I've yep. done it. I did a really cool one in America, actually. Oh, yeah? What Very good vibe. I uh, can't remember what it's called. It was in Mount Hood. So uh, Pacific Northwest. Cool. Very nice place. Mm. You'd love it over there. I'm sure it would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... Um, Nice and relaxed, really good vibes, um, but tons of riding. Two days where you're basically not off the bike. Mm. Um, Whereas I think with downhill especially, uh, and I'm sure Al will back me up on this, there's quite a lot of waiting around. Yes. You have to be quite a patient person, whether that's waiting in the uplift to go up the hill or up on the chairlift, or whether it's simply just waiting for your timed run. Mm. There can be quite a bit of sitting around. There is none of that with enduro. You are pretty much just riding all the time, whether that's practice or actually racing. So it's kind of, you know, once you pay money, it's actually really good value. Yeah, definitely. You you do get a long old day out and you don't have any of the, or quite as much of the uh, pre-run anxiety. I've I've never done a downhill race, but a sort of hill climbs, the opposite of a downhill race. Mm. Um, oh, there's nothing worse than being kind of in the wasting pen at the bottom. Really, real tummy <laughs> worrying stuff waiting to go down. Anyway, um, and, you know, if, you know, who is Enduro racing for? Who's it best for? What's the kind of the uh, ideal rider there? I would say whether you're previous, um, whether you previously into cross country or downhill, because it is, like I said before, uh, almost an amalgamation of the both. Anyone, anyone who rides mountain bikes that's keen to get between the tapes and, and properly test themselves. So um, anyone with a bit of fitness that loves going downhill, I would say. Very good. Very brief. And, and what's the kind of, what do we need to get started with enduro racing, Al? What's the uh, perfect setup and what can you just get started with? Yeah. So, I mean, you could get away with the hardtail quite comfortably on enduro races. 
Um, you know, you don't need the longest, biggest travel, lightest weight, most expensive uh, enduro bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite often a hardtail category as well in many events. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and sometimes the hardtail guys are actually quite, you know, surprisingly competitive in the in the the normal bike category too. Um, you know, if you've got the skills. Um, but yeah, hardtail with a reasonably long travel fork, uh, nice thick casing tires would definitely be recommended with grippy grippy rubber, um, because enduro is the uh, some total of all of your race stages added together. So if you get a puncture whilst you're doing one of the stages and, you know, you, you ruin your time, your chances of doing well, are, you know, severely limited and you have to fix it and still get to the top of the next stage uh, within the liaison limit. So, you know, tyres are a, definitely a focal point. Um, full face helmet, I think they're not quite mandatory yet at national level racing. I could be wrong there. Um, but I think it depends on the organiser. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, personally, I'd, I'd recommend it. I, I only wear a full face helmet now, um, regardless of what. Te- I'm doing having teeth is country. nice, to be fair. Mm, having teeth is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, so yeah, full face helmet, um, sticky rubber tires. Um, you know, reasonably long travel suspension fork, and then an ideal setup. You know, you want to be looking at like a super lightweight, um, 160 mil travel ish full suspension bike with nice progressive geometry, steep seat tube angle. Um, and basically what you're trying to do is balance weight and durability because, you know, if you're spending that much money, then cost maybe isn't going to be such an issue for you. Um, so, you know, see if you can get the best bike that you can afford, basically. Um, that would be you know, what I'd recommend. Now, of course, if you want to find out what the best Enduro bike is out there, do head to bikeradar.com. It's a category we dedicate quite a lot of time to generally. We've re- reviewed a lot of bikes in that category and... Uh, you know, it's one that we've just spent a lot of time on with Bike of the Year, just concluding where Rob Weaver took the lead on all of that testing. So head to bike, bikeradar.com if you want to read more. Um, we're going to finish things up with four cross racing, perhaps a bit of a neglected, I'm not going to say unloved, but neglected category in mountain bike racing in recent years. But one, I would say, uh, wrongly neglected, as it's one of the more exciting and fun formats for racing out there. Uh, Rob Weaver... What is four cross racing and what should one expect if they were going to see what, an event? So four cross racing is four riders head to head, um, a gated start like in BMX, mm-hmm. but the track, which is littered with jumps and berms and high speed sections, is predominantly downhill. Uh, and most people will compete on a hardtail, mountain bike hardtail, or maybe a short travel four suspension bike. Um it's because of the nature of it, you know, it's first person across the line that's going to win. Uh, it's super exciting. And there's all sorts of um, shenanigans going on. People <laughs> trying to take one another out, not necessarily on purpose, but, you know, uh, if they're desperate to make a pass, then sometimes it can get pretty hairy. So it's great to watch. Yeah, the, the red mist, the red mist does descend, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like in any of those yeah. sorts of uh, sports, whether yeah. that's motocross formula one motor gp any of that stuff when the uh when the rage does hit some people will get a little bit carried away and uh it can get <laughs> people pretty tasty will be on the floor yeah. there will be tears yeah. there will be blood pantomime downhill pantomime <laughs> <laughs> without the costumes without the costumes. well i mean they are all wearing pajamas though but that's just true of downhill mountain yes. biking in general but, yeah. um you know you've said so there but it is it, it it's good because it's very high drama the bikes are quite simple and cheap. You know, there is some sort of specialist bikes that used to exist back there, but these days it is a bit more sort of DIY. Would you say that's fair, Alex? 
Oh, DIY. Yeah, I mean, let's try and think if brands still do four cross bikes. I mean, that they used to actually be dedicated bikes to the Santa Cruz like, Blur the four specialized cross. Classic. There you go. Exactly. And a great yeah. bike. The specialized SX as well, I think. Yeah. There was, one. There was a intense Taser yeah. four cross, I seem to remember. 24 7. They had um, something too, as well, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Loads of those smaller brands. And obviously, brands like Yeti, mm. when they supported Jared <gasps> yeah, Graves, he cool won bike. the world champs on it. Multiple world yeah. titles. Brian Lopes had a signature frame on GT. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like. And uh, didn't, didn't Gracia have a Cannondale with a lefty fork that was a four cross? Yeah, specific I remember that. What, and, point? and Honda made one specifically for Greg Minner, which they obviously were never going to sell. I really feel like yeah. I'm I'm back in 2004. <laughs> I've just started subscribing to MBUK. I, I, I really weaves is for some reason he's already there in the pages of the magazine. Yes, um, <laughs> veteran, a veteran. I think I think you said oh. earlier, Jack. Yeah. Very <laughs> um, now you actually just said there, but it was formerly a, a sort of uh, discipline that was managed and handled by the UCI. And I'm right in saying that they still do a World Champs, but it's not really done in the World Cup circuit anymore. Is that correct? Yep, yep. So I think um, there was a number of reasons why uh, the UCI dropped it. Um, previously, all the top racers would, so all the top downhillers, sorry, over the weekend would normally compete. It's a great way to, you know, get up and up close and personal with the fans showcase the sponsor you know showcase the bikes the sponsors all of that stuff but i think slowly as downhill was getting more and more competitive and more serious and the pros were getting injured racing four cross mm -hmm. they slowly started to step back away from it a little bit and also because of the nature of the tracks and the maintenance they require and they're generally not always open to the public it was a lot of money for each of those venues to plow yeah. in um, for something they're never going to get any real return on apart from at that particular mm -hmm. event. So it was very costly in that sense. And um, I think, yeah, for a number of reasons, as I've said, it slowly just sort of um, slipped away and the UCI just let it bow out gracefully. But mm. there are people like Chris Roberts, Scott Beaumont, who are very much at the forefront with their Four Cross Pro Tour. So they still travel around Europe. They still host and help put on these massive events i think there's just been one in uh winterberg in germany mm -hmm. as part of their pro uh sorry four cross pro tour series at the i think it's called the dirt masters is that right al dirt mm. masters event yeah um so it's, it still exists there's still pro riders taking part it's just a real shame it's away from the world cups because you know, it adds value to those people, you know, that have come all that way to watch a World Cup race. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives every, you know, it's a real spectacle. As you said, it's really high drama. There's loads going on. Um, but yeah, uh, it's no longer at the forefront with cross country and downhill, sadly. And Alex, have you ever done a four cross race in your uh, long and storied career? <laughs> oh, no, um, I've actually done a four cross downhill race. What? Which uh, sounds terrifying. Yeah, so uh, it's a bit of a unique discipline, I will say. It was a, quite a niche within a niche within a niche. But uh, four cross race format, so four riders, start line, downhill track. Where was that? <laughs> that was at Mulfra. Uh, so, so for, for so Mulfra for context is an open hillside downhill track. It's not one in yeah. tight trees. 
Um, but you know, it's still Very a downhill windy. track all the same. It's where the Athertons used to used to train. Elbows um, out, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, it was bloody incredible. It was absolutely awesome. Like, like a, a you know three minute downhill downhill race against your pals that you're trying to basically push off at any <laughs> given opportunity. Um, yeah, really good. So yeah, hundred percent recommend Forecross for for lols. And we, you know, we used to when I was a kid, we'd go up the woods and we would build um, specific tracks in the forest that you could race Forecross on. Uh, you know, races in inverted commas, but you know, you'd make them wide, you'd build whoops, you'd build jumps, you'd be like, woo, yeah, this is cool. Um, <laughs> so, 100% recommend, yeah, defo. There was actually a really <laughs> good um, uh, feature on Forecross in issue 406 of MUK. You can buy a back issue online, digital copies are also available, and you should just subscribe anyway. But nonetheless, there was a very good sort of uh, feature on the discipline as a whole, some of the legends of the seen and also some of the coolest bikes uh, that were kind of seen in four cross racing it's definitely worth picking out some really tasty photos in there um i'll conclude this podcast by saying we have only covered four key disciplines there unfortunately we didn't have time to cover fat bike snow racing or uh <laughs> what other funny disciplines we've got in bike bike packing yeah ultra distance fish racing touring, fish yeah, fish uh, packing <laughs> <laughs> um but of course you know the mountain biking world is so much fun because of the breadth and depth of its various fun disciplines. But these are the key ones that you're most likely to encounter and definitely the places to get started if you want to uh, line up at the sharp end of the sport. Um, I will ask just before we go, do we have any mountain biking racing on the horizon for you this year, Rob? I am going to compete in the Stone King Rally at the end of this month. So six days, multi-stages, you know, each day. And where is that? I think we start in France and we dip into uh, Italy, northern Italy. Sounds rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it, haven't they? So, yeah. Wow, that sounds great. What will we be riding? Tickle my pickle. A Santa Cruz Mega Tower. Cool. Mm. Get ready to get shreddy. Alex Evans, are your racing days behind you or are we going to be lining up for a World Cup downhill race this year? Uh- <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I'm gracefully retiring and I've been put out to pasture <laughs> to spend the the last of my days uh, wearily looking into the sunset of times gone by. He's, he's in charge of walking between stages now. Oh, I see. Speed walking. He's set up his own. He's, he's got his own category. Alex may come <laughs> yeah. across very mild mannered, but he is in fact a bit of a demon on Strava. And I bring this up at any opportunity, but Alex only ever makes his rides public when he gets a top 10 or a KOM. And uh, it tickles me endlessly. So while your your time between the tapes might be over, your virtual virtual Palmaris know no limit. And I always look forward to uh, seeing what KOMs you've taken in the Tweed Valley. Uh, <laughs> I think I've, I've just had it handed to me. I've absolutely, my, uh, my pants are firmly around my ankles after... A dry weekend of racing at the EWS. I've lost all of my uh, top ten. Oh so well, that's why he's, he's keen to night. wrap this up now. He's got he's got some new lines. He's going to go. Yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping yeah, tracks are fresh. I'm doing. Uh, I I would really really like to do a bit of cross country mountain bike racing again. I think I'll get absolutely murdered if I do a, a short course thing, but maybe like a marathon day out would be really Less, good fun. Oh, I'm actually signed up for something this weekend. Mm. it's a cross oh, yeah. country okay. thing yeah it's like it? 26 27 miles it, i don't think it's not really a race it's more like a sportive thing where is it cheddar cheddar uh-huh 
Cheddar Challenge. You're doing the Cheddar Challenge. Yeah, I've got a time machine. I'm off back oh, yeah. 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Get the elastic Watch out for, out. The, for Devil's Drop or whatever it was yeah, called. Devil's was Drop. Devil's yeah, Devil's Drop, yeah. <laughs> all, all 30 metres of it. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, whilst, whilst we're completely derailed... Oh, please, on, carry on. Yeah, entertain me, Jack. Uh, I was chatting to um, one of the locals up here in Scotland who, you know, cut his teeth on the trails of Inleith and, and uh, he told me one year he came down to do the Cheddar Challenge and was like, you know, everyone was hyping up the Devil's Drop and talking about the pits and uh, uh, talking talking about it in the pits. And uh, he, he walked he walked the track and got back to the pits and everyone was like, do you see Devil's Drop? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he physically couldn't identify Devil's Drop at Cheddar Challenge on account of how uh, unnally it was compared to the tracks that he was used to. I mean, to. it's quite literally like going down a ramp in a multi-storey car park. It's yeah. <laughs> that uneventful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Brilliant. I hope that your mountain bike racing this weekend involves more fascinating challenges than the, uh, what are we called? Devil's Drop. Devil, Devil's Drop. I forgot how... It may even got... take it in. I don't know yet. Well, let us know. I look forward to hearing <laughs> about how scary it was in a future edition of the podcast. I'll, I'll show you the four-hour GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. Yeah, please put it on YouTube. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. If you do have any questions about mountain bike racing, maybe if you want to see some funny old photos of Weaves and uh, Alex back in the day. Alex used to have a wonderful head of hair when he was downhill racing. I'd like to see Imagine. that again. A mane. A beautiful mane. A beautiful mane. mane. Uh, do leave your thoughts in the comments and do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Give us a cheeky five-star rating if you think we deserve it, which of course we do. And again, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 